guys thanks for tuning in we've got matt barr from inquire labs uh a post-purchase survey solution focusing on d2c brands with us today uh, matt welcome thanks man appreciate you having me on glad you're here um so i want to dive into a little bit about inquire um but first i want to give uh, our listeners a little bit of a background uh on you yeah totally so been in e-commerce for about a decade uh the first six or so years were on actually actually on the merchant side uh, helped start a headphone company here in New York called Master and Dynamic. Um, and then in 2016, uh, switched over to SaaS to actually solve some problems uh, that I was having being a merchant. Um, we actually spent about two years in the same day delivery space. I uh, never really found product market fit there, um, but luckily essentially spun that out to what Enquire Labs is today. Very cool. Uh, I'm a big fan of your slogan, uh, direct from consumer insights. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, totally. So yeah, we were we were going through a positioning ex- exercise, call it six months ago. Um, and that's where we came up from direct from consumer. And really that it's a it's a take on DTC, like obviously the vertical that everyone's really excited about now, direct to consumer. Um, what we realized that our product was doing was switching that. Uh, so direct from consumer, like DFC is kind of how we phrase it, is is the approach that we're taking um, where a lot of other SaaS companies within the D2C space are all about like sending more emails or uh, watching customers browse your site, like you name it. And what we're doing with surveys is flipping that on its head. Um, so that's where that came from. You're going to hear us talk about it a lot more in 2021. Um, but yeah, we're, we're pretty like, we want direct from consumer to be almost like a strategy or a tactic that brands implement um, just because it's, it's so important. And, as all these kind of privacy implications really start to push forward for these merchants, uh, kind of talking to your customers is going to be the only way that you can get this data from them. Love it. Love it. Especially, uh, we're going to be diving into iOS 14 a little bit later. Um, can't wait to, to dive into that and, and uh, you know, a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes. It'd be a lot to unpack. We'll hopefully try to do it um, pretty concisely here. Um, what's the importance of post-purchase surveys for those listening who aren't uh, using Inquire? Yeah, we not to like keep using kind of our our the way we frame stuff, but we like to say it turns pixels into people. Uh, so if if you're a merchant right now selling on Shopify or any e-commerce platform, orders are coming in, um, and there's not that much information you know about the customer. Um, so you might get UTM parameters. Uh, if they came in through there, maybe a referral source, if they came from Google, but there's really no information about like maybe it was the discovery element or who they purchased the gift for. Um, so that's kind of where post-purchase surveys come in. So pretty much like right at the birth of your customer, um, they're so excited about the order that they just placed. Let's start to engage with them. So that's that's kind of where we come in with our surveys. We live on order confirmation pages um, and there's like a whole slew of kind of benefits and how you can use the data that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but from very much just a high level, what we like to say is, yeah, like use post-purchase surveys to start collecting this feedback, like 
direct from consumer, obviously, um, just to help you make better decisions. And whether that's in your kind of from a marketing perspective or customer research, there's just a whole slew of problems that can be solved by just engaging and talking to your customers this way. Love it. Um, what are people missing out on if they're, if they're not using post-purchase surveys right now? Yeah, it's just the, it's just the data. Um, we like to say like everyone who installs us can get a survey running in a couple minutes. Um, and it's instantly this trough of data that they didn't have access to five minutes before. Um, so that's kind of like, that's the exciting thing. I think when people just first install us and now they were maybe just looking at Google analytics or maybe just focused on their Facebook row ads within Facebook's platform. And now it's this whole other data source that isn't self-reported from Facebook or isn't kind of doesn't have the fear of privacy blockers or whatever kind of, you have to look at GA with, a kind of with the lens these days, it's direct from the people who matter most. Um, so as far as like missing out on, like if you're investing any time into influencer marketing or podcasts or any of these harder to track channels, like one of the best ways to measure them. And this is just an example is, is a, how did you hear about a survey? Um, and that's the, what the majority of our customers use. So just a kind of pinpoint one kind of problem these surveys could solve is like attribution. Um, so as far as what people are missing out on, like that's the one we launched the company around. And it's really like, hey, maybe you could be allocating your capital better than you are today and scaling your company a lot faster. Yeah, I'll be honest. I use Inquire uh, for Adrile and it's helped me identify a few pockets that we dove deeper on um, uh, for channels to test. And it's been a huge, huge hit for us. Um, what are some of the common pitfalls when people use uh, Inquire? What what advice would you give a startup founder right now in food and beverage, um, starting a D 2 C company? What's that common mistake that can be made, or what's the you know maybe people just don't use the data for X, Y, or Z? Yeah, I think the the first pitfall is it, let's say you already have your your survey set up, your post purchase survey set up. The biggest pitfall we see is not optimizing the actual copy in the survey. Um, so maybe it's just somebody launches the survey with four or five channels. Um, and maybe those channels aren't even the ones that they're really focused on at, at, at any given moment. So that's definitely the one of the most common pitfalls we have is like rewrite the survey question in your brand's tone, make sure the channels are optimized for where your, your customers are actually discovering you. So that's kind of the first pitfall. Another pitfall we see is, especially with attribution is uh, extrapolating to 100% and relying 100% on that data. So our average survey completion rate across all of the companies we work with is about 55%. And at that point, you can really start to make some, some larger assumptions around the data set. Um, but for customers who have lower converting surveys, whether that's via due to a pop-up or some other reason, it gets a little dicey if you're going to take a 25% sample size and then extrapolate that out to hundred. So that's like one thing that we're trying to do a lot with education with our customers and in our documentation is trying to help people understand how to use survey data better. Um, so those are kind of two things we see. And then the last thing is not bringing the data into your marketing stack. Um, so some customers like in our dashboard helps you understand where people are coming from, helps you look at average order value, a whole slew of things. Um, but you can also like push, push your data to Clavia or maybe you're, you're really focused on looking at your data in Google analytics. Like these are the places and this is where you get the most value when you combine call it uh, survey data direct from consumers with all of this quantitative data. Um, so those are kind of the three things that we, we often see and we try to kind of coach our customers on. 
Going back to my next questions would be about benchmarks to look for. You mentioned one in the last answer that 55% is the average response rate to the, the survey. For someone who is currently using Inquire or any other post-purchase um, survey, hopefully they'll switch to Inquire after this. Um, if, if they're at 25% or 30%, how do they get up to 55% or even higher? What's, aside, aside from optimizing copy. Yeah, there's a few things we look at. The, the easiest way is to remove the pop-up that's on your order confirmation page. Um, that's usually the biggest factor, at least for us. So we load front and center. We're in line uh, on Shopify's order confirmation page. And if there's anything distracting the user right when that page loads, your survey response rate is going to go from like 55 to 60, if not higher, right down to 30. And it's very consistent consistent around 30%. Um, so that's the first thing that we recommend. And then the second thing is really just around load time. So if you have a bunch of different scripts loading and there's just like a lot going on behind the scenes, if we don't load instantly, then there's a little bit of a delay. Maybe a customer already saw the order was confirmed and they're already about to bounce. Um, so those are the two things that we, that we traditionally look at. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, and I spoke about before optimizing the copy, like we've seen customers go from 50 to 80 just by writing some really kind of fun survey question copy. Um, so there's a whole slew of methods. Uh, we, we don't have, we don't expose any of this reporting now, but we capture like survey load time, submit Delta, a whole slew of different metrics to help um, that we're eventually going to bring into reporting. But if anyone ever wants to do a deep dive on their survey conversion rate, we always can go in and look like, oh, your load time is like 30% higher than the majority of our other customers. So there's, there's definitely ways that we can engineer it. And we're definitely, that's kind of where we're going with certain parts of the product is like, how do we get that 50, 60%, like upwards of 80 to 90, just so brands can make like very informed decisions with this data. Got it. So about the load time, what if somebody wants to run a post-purchase survey, but also run post-purchase upsell? Is that a no-no or is there a way to win with both? Yeah. So with Shopify's recent uh, the update to their checkout API, you can do the upsells and it doesn't interfere with us. Um, so the upsell actually happens like right after you click pay. It's on a completely different screen. And then the order confirmation page still loads and that's where we live. Uh, so we actually have no... We have no negative effects to doing both. Uh, we actually integrate with Carthook's old checkout, which they they exclusively did that. Uh, so there's really nothing. The thing that we have to like, and I'm always going to push for surveys, like engage with your customers before you start telling them to recommend to a friend um, or, or buy from a competitor or not a competitor, but maybe a, someone else in a complimentary vertical. Um, so that's that's kind of how. That's how we look at it, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't affect the survey completion rate at all. So, are you saying like a, like a referral program or a, like a co op commerce would would probably be one of those scripts that interferes with your survey? Yeah, exactly. Got yeah. It. So, yeah, they, we talk to our customers all the time about that. It's like, what's more important? Um, so, and yeah, we're gonna push. We think that customers can get a much higher ROI out of increased customer engagement directly with directly with a brand than trying to have the customer do something else that's not even related to what they just bought. Got it. And so we talked about the pitfalls um, when using post-purchase surveys. We talked about um, you know, the opportunity cost of not using it, but what is one or two actionable ways that someone could take the data aside from Clavio that you mentioned um, or, or a GA? What are some of the best ways to use these insights that someone who's starting up a brand right now can implement and be off to the races. 
Yeah. So this is, I guess this is a question about kind of use cases um, in our biggest use case. So we're serving 120 to 150,000 surveys a day this time of year. And the majority of those are, how did you hear about a surveys? So uh, more so they're called attribution surveys. Um, that's definitely the best. That's the use case that we built the initial product on. And as far as how to use that, like what we do there is we just help you uncover like what's actually happening from a, a channel makeup. And one of the more popular pages on our, within our application is the responses tab. And in that responses tab, what we do is we show you the response and then we compare it to the referral source or the last click UTM parameters if they existed. And what that does just from a marketing marketer standpoint and building mental models of how to make future decisions, it shows you where the customer discovered the brand. And then it also shows you what drove them. And and I show this in demos all the time because it's always like discovered through an influencer. And then it's like last click, like Google. So if someone's really only relying on, uh, can call it observational data, like what sources somebody came from, they're not going to get the whole picture. So that's like the, that's definitely the best or kind of most common use case. As far as where we're going with the product, we're seeing more and more customers use us for other, other ways. Um, and this is really just to understand information about your customers, uh, who the order is for, uh, for example, like who is this order for, like, or is this a gift is a very common one. Um, and we have customers who then use that. They understand gift giving, uh, someone in Q4, like didn't realize all their customers were actually gifting, updated all their ad creative, updated their landing pages and saw their Facebook grow as skyrocket. Cause now they're actually talking to their customers in the way they should have been. Um, and then an, another customer pushes a very similar question to Clavio, and then all their flows are different based on gift givers or not. So there's a whole slew of different ways. Um, attribution is kind of the core pillar. Um, but as far as what you'll hear more and more from us about, it's these four core pillars that we're moving into. Like attribution obviously is one. Uh, conversion rate optimization. Um, and that's questions like, how is your shopping experience or anything we could do to improve to really kind of hey, like maybe the add to cart button wasn't working and you're not going to know that unless someone tells you. Um, the third one's personalization. So that's more so on the line of, uh, is this a gift? And the last one's just simple customer research, like asking questions uh, that, that just helps everybody make better decisions throughout, throughout the organization and better understand their customers. Um, everyone's going to see a positive ROI on that. So yeah, those are the four pillars. Um, but yeah, we're definitely still heavily weighted on the attribution side. I'm going to dive deeper into that one. So of the four pillars, let's say someone's focusing on attribution, um, but they're planning for the holidays. How much in advance would you say they should switch over um, to the, is this a gift survey? Summertime, fall, is, is that even accurate data? Um, or do they just do it as, as they go in Q4 around Black Friday? What would you advise them? Yeah, it all depends. Like, honestly, we see customers... Um, we see customers really pick one or the other right now. Um, but I think, I think, I think later in this conversation, we were going to talk about um, just some new features. So mm -hmm. just to dive into that while we're, while I kind of brought it up, but we're about to roll something out called question streams. Um, and the one feature we've been asked for the most over the last two years is multi-question surveys. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's like bar none. We stopped even tracking feature requests because it was just like a hundred to one. Um, so, with question streams, what we're doing is it's not just a multi-question survey that lives post-purchase on one order. It's essentially a dynamic stream of questions that lives over a customer's journey. 
And whether that's first purchase, second purchase, third purchase. So what that allows you to do is like, hey, maybe this cust- first time this customer comes in, let's ask them, how did you hear about us? And is this a gift? Maybe we want to ask, this is a gift on every question, on every order, but we only want to ask, how do you hear about us on the first order they place with our brand? Um, and then maybe on the second order, they purchase a specific uh, dress and they're tagged with X on Shopify. Let's ask them this question. So that's, that's kind of where we're moving. So as far as to answer your question, I'm going to, I'm not really going to answer it because by, by next holiday season, <laughs> it's not going to be a factor. Like it's just going to yeah. be, Hey, ask both of them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely what we're most excited about uh, for that sole reason of like, Hey, if we need to collect two data points. How do we do that? Um, so there's a lot going into kind of the back end of building that to support that, but it's going to have a whole slew of different toggles when it comes out. I'm so excited for that. I've always wondered about, man, for our repeat purchasers, I wonder if they're getting annoyed by seeing the same question. Um, that's exciting. I'm stoked. Um, all right. So everyone knows about iOS 14, the Apple Facebook scrap. How can Inquire help? Yeah, this is, we've been spending a lot of time on this. Um, when we, even when we launched, we, we've always been in the camp that Facebook grades their own homework. Um, it's essentially a platform that tells you what the ROI is on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously some pitfalls with that. We've already seen some like attribution fraud from them. Um, I think it was with Uber. So with that going into mind, tracking conversions is just going to get harder. Uh, it's just, it's just the way in which consumer privacy is headed. I think that's a good thing. Um, and where we come in is we essentially help, we help understand the kind of greater distribution of channels and what's actually working. Um, so if Facebook's reporting a certain ROAS, then you could check that essentially with our platform. Um, so that that's kind of how we're approaching it. Um, as far as the intricacies, like just to kind of go into it, if, anyone, if anyone's listening and isn't super familiar, uh, with iOS 14, what Apple's going to be doing essentially is prompting users if it's okay if a platform like Facebook, Facebook can track them across websites. Um, so Facebook's ability to measure a conversion is going to go down. Um, so as far as like our recommendation, it's obviously to get a post-purchase survey live, get it going, start collecting data as soon as possible. Um, and then the second recommendation, we're actually just starting to have conversations with our friends at Elevar and Dacity. So Elevar is, uh, they have a product that allows you to very easily implement uh, Google Tag Manager and server-side tracking. Um, So server-side tracking is one way to get around uh, the upcoming changes. Um, And then we're also starting to partner with Dacity to kind of take our data, the Elevar data, and all the e-commerce data and then kind of build very advanced models. So that's kind of how we're approaching it from a few different angles. Like, I don't want to say that post-purchase surveys is like the end hall, like mm-hmm. who cares about the Facebook pixel. Um, but essentially it's going to be as a merchant, you're going to have to find more of a focal point from a few different sources of data versus solely like reloading your Facebook ad manager every day and just looking at your OAS. Cause that number is probably going to be under reporting or over reporting on any given on any given day based on kind of the amount of people who've opted in and opted out. Yeah. I'm excited to see. Um, I feel like it's bringing everyone back to uh, square one. And I think there's going to be a lot of evolution and in, in different softwares uh, to help with this. I'm personally uh, you know, losing a little bit of hair, figuring it out, um, but exciting to hear about you uh, I can being so proactive about it. Um, we, uh, we talked a little bit about benchmarks, uh, that which being the conversion rate of the 
the post-purchase surveys. Um, are there any other benchmarks that someone that maybe is just getting started with Inquire or maybe they're looking into it because they're listening uh, to this? Are there any other benchmarks that you should focus on as a uh, company owner, as a marketer? Yeah, for us, it's obviously the completion rate from our product standpoint is one thing. Uh, but what's more important is just understanding the, call it health of your media mix. Um, and I think one thing that we're already seeing kind of when we analyze more of the aggregate data set that, that we have, we're already seeing people start to diversify off of call it the Facebook and the Instagrams. Um, so as far as benchmarks go, like that's one thing that we like to, to push is like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, um, especially as iOS 14 and all these and consumer privacy starts to become more and more and more popular. And I'm not saying like, Hey, like go spend money on a direct mail campaign or put a lot of money in Pinterest. Um, but more assess, like think about all your channels and think about how you can measure them. So I think, especially with like influencers, for example, before post-purchase surveys, everyone was doing influencer marketing. And as far as tracking it, it was very much just like, at first it was how many followers did we gain? So it wasn't really attached to any dollar amount from a e-commerce, on the e-commerce side of things. And then maybe it moved into discount codes and there's really nothing capturing that halo effect. Um, so as far as like benchmarks go, like there, it's not a one size fits all for a media mix for every, for every company. Like maybe there, there are definitely companies who rely solely on Facebook and they'll be fine doing it. But if you want to de-risk your brand and de-risk kind of your growth strategy, just start to test other channels and make sure that like, Hey, 80% of my orders don't come through Facebook and Instagram. Let's get that lower. So what we like to see is kind of more of an even distribution, um, like word of mouth, like call it around 20%, if not a little bit higher, uh, Facebook around 30 to 40%. Um, and then the rest is more or less like a mix of influencers, uh, non-branded search, if, if you can figure that out. Um, and kind of other channels that don't have the kind of, aren't as easy to turn on as Facebook and Instagram are. That's super helpful. Super helpful. Um, very exciting. Thank you for that. Next question. We talked a little bit about new features. Are there any other features we should be looking forward to? Anything you can let us know? Yeah, the question streams is definitely the one we're most excited about. Um, but as, as far as directionally where we're going, uh, the survey is eventually going to move off the order confirmation page. Uh, we really want to, like, we're only going to really live where we know who the customer is. Um, and after that customer places an order, we can reach them via SMS or via email or in their account page. There's like a whole slew of places that we could start to engage uh, with the new question stream. So that, that's something that's going to be coming. Um, and then the other thing that's more near term is we're building some just really advanced reclassification functionality. So some customers have, and we've tried to get this down with optimizing the survey responses, but some consumers just really like to write in the other field. Um, so we're building some kind of smart tech around reclassification. Uh, so allowing our customers, the merchants to build rules around, Hey, if somebody type, if somebody types in the daily into the other response, like we can automatically categorize that as podcast as the first, and then the daily as the uh, response classification. So those are the things that are, that are definitely on call at the six month horizon. Those are some badass. uh, rollouts that are coming out i'm excited for those um i'm sure they're going to implement them the second they're they're live um so we're we're coming close to the end uh, of this and we're going to do something fun that's called rapid fire questions here 
um, you're going to be uh, the owner of a D2C company. You're just about to launch. So with that in mind, are you ready for this? Yep. All right. Ideal tech stack. You can only name five. Shopify. If, if I, yeah, Shopify is the e-commerce platform. Obviously, Enquire Labs. I'm not going to not say yep. that. Got uh, it. Clavio as your ESP. Uh, Junip for reviews. Um, mm-hmm. I like what they're doing there. And then probably either PostScript or a sell-up tool. Um, yeah, it depends what market uh, I think the, the D2C vertical is in. Um, but either something like cart hook post-purchase uh, or, or PostScript for SMS. We love PostScript. Yeah, those guys are awesome. The best. Um, all right, next question. Um, if you started a D2C food and beverage company today, who would your co-founder or co-founders be? Who's your team? Can't yeah, that's name, a great... Can't name anyone you've been in business with in the past. Though. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I would honestly like, n- not even to name names, I would look for just the way the market's moving. Like I would look for more veteran players in the space. Um, I feel like my background, my background's obviously in, in e-commerce and direct consumer. And if I were to look to complement that, it would be someone who understands the the retail side of things. Um, I think beverage is very hard to do solely direct consumer. Um, so having a more diverse channel makeup uh, just from a retail like sales perspective would be super important. Um, so that would definitely be the first person that I would hire. Um, yeah, it, it would be, the second person would be somebody on the branding side. Um, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. I'm just trying to think of like where, where the biggest gaps of, of my skill set are. And it's really, it's really in, call it physical retail and distribution. Um, and then on brand, just cause that those things are just so important these days. Awesome. All right. We're going to take the uh, D2C food and beverage founder hat off. And this is a little bit more, uh, cater towards what you do currently. I've been hearing a lot about zero party data. Can you tell one, me and two, the listeners, um, the difference between zero party and first party data? Yeah, totally. So zero party data, it's funny you say that. We literally just finished a a white paper that's going to go out in the next week or two about zero party data and uh, for D2C merchants. Um, But zero party data is essentially data that customers provide to you. Um, So we like to joke like zero party data really should be first party data. It's like, it's the customers Mm -hmm. put to you. Um, But with zero party data, it's like really data that's provided from forms or through surveys or essentially the customers actively giving you the data. Um, The difference between that and like first party data, like first party data is maybe your, uh, your session data and GA. Um, It's like, what are your customers doing on your site? You're not renting that data. You're not buying it from anywhere else. Like you own that, you own that data. So that's like the big difference between the two. What we're, why we're pushing zero party data, ZPD so much is because we're seeing like all these issues now with whether it's customers having ad blockers or like, who knows, like how, how much is, let's just focus on Google analytics. Like how much, how accurate is GA from your total traffic? And everyone, I think people, I'm hearing more and more people being like, why doesn't GA match Shopify? And it's like, well, Shopify is server side traffic. Like people actually loading your site and Google analytics is a pixel loading. Um, so we're, I think we're going to start to see the deterioration of like even a little bit of first party data, which is interesting to us because in the D2C world, like 
first party data is not a term that's used very often. Um, which is funny because if you move into kind of large scale CPG and into the retail world, like everybody, like that's, that's probably the most common word in any board meeting is first party data. We need more first party data. Um, so I think, I think that term is going to become, it's going to be a lot louder than it has been within kind of the direct consumer world. Um, and I think with that, like zero party data is going to, is definitely going to be the one that like people would rather have zero party data, like input direct from, from customers than just like, hey, this is just a, a random user ID in a session. So I, I think that's where we're headed. And yeah, we're definitely, obviously we, we operate a survey company. We're definitely the mo very bullish on, on zero party data in the future. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah I've learned so much uh, on this alone. Can't wait to start executing. And I hope anybody listening um, has some actionable items. Um, Aside from that, my questions are done, but I, I want to uh, let the listeners know, um, where can they find you? Where can they find Inquire? How do they learn more? Awesome. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's just Matt R. Barr, my name with my middle initial R in between. Uh, you can email me direct at mattenquirelabs.com. Um, and yeah, our app is, if you're a Shopify merchant, our app is in the Shopify app store. It's uh, just forward slash enquire. Um, but yeah, feel free to email me if you want a demo or if you just want to chat, uh, happy to, happy to talk more about surveys, zero party data, any of this stuff. Amazing. It's been a pleasure, Matt learned a bunch. Um, excited for this to get out and, um, thanks for joining us on the exit intent podcast. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Same. All right. Thanks everybody.